Hello, and welcome to Sense of Responsibility. I'm Alec Lindenauer, a certified financial planning professional, husband, and chief allowance officer to two daughters. I'm also the creator of the Sense of Responsibility tools and how-to instruction parents need to raise their children into financially literate, money-savvy adults, even if they don't know much about finance themselves. I'm Julie Franz, a chef entrepreneur at heart, wife and mother of two middle school children. I also curate the Sense of Responsibility community so parents have a forum to ask questions, share success stories, and discuss their journeys. As a financial newbie myself, I'm also cultivating our group support system to help carve out my own family's path toward financial literacy. Hello, Alec. Uh, Nice to see you here on our podcast, How to Talk to Your Kids About Money. I'm super excited to talk to you about talking to our kids about money today. I have some (laughs) great questions. Welcome to our listeners. Um, We're going to get into some great topics today. How are you, Alec? I'm great. I'm great. Didn't we pick a good name for that podcast, by the way? We did. How to Talk to Your Kids About Money. Pretty straightforward. (laughs) How to Teach teach Your Kids About Money. money. We're still hashtag learning. (laughs) all right so what are we talking about today julie well alec i really want to get into talking about investing with you today because we have been on this journey of teaching our kids about money and i should say that we're on our journey of learning with our kids about money um i don't know that i'm the best teacher yet because i don't know tons about money myself, honestly, Um, but we're learning together. So we are talking about money, we're doing the allowance, and we are learning a lot together. Um, So in terms of teaching... I would say you are the best teacher, right? We all have lots to learn about teachers, but you definitely are the best teacher for John and for Cassidy, not for my kids or for anybody else's kids, but for your kids. (laughs) Definitely not for your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, so John, um, you know, we've been doing our allowance program for... Uh, almost a year now, very consistently. We tried allowance at one time and it didn't really work out. And, you know, it was really about a year ago that we we just put our minds to it and we said, we're going to do this on a monthly basis and we're going to follow the sense of responsibility program and plan. Um, and so, you know, through that, it's it's an evolution. We've, we've gone through some challenges and we've learned what not to do for sure. I mean, we've definitely made a few mistakes along the way and learned from them. But when it comes to where we are now, our kids understand what allowance is, how to use their spend money, how to save, how to distribute their money into their different buckets. But now we're at a point where we're like, now what? Okay, John had $500 in his investment bucket. I no longer wanted to pay, you know, shell out the 10%, you know, every month. Monthly. Monthly, yeah, that was a lot. So we talked about it, and he said, I want to take 300 of this and plug it in to the stock market and see what happens. So I said, okay, we can do that. And I didn't really know where else to go. So I went to Stockpile, and I said, okay, here's some options. And he said, I want to buy Tesla, Amazon, and Google. And so we did that, right? And so now we're kind of at this crossroads of, like, what's next? I don't even know how to really – Discuss you know, it with them. Discuss it, yeah. So I, I really yeah. want your mm-hmm. your guidance on how parents, A, get started with their kids, and B, what the next steps are as you see them to a successful learning journey in investment world. So first of all, I'd say that you are right on schedule. 
I mean, they're in middle school. I mean, this is exactly the time where one, they should be accumulating that much in the investment bucket. And then two, you're like, okay, well now what do I do with it? That is exactly where you want to be right around that time frame. And the goals for the investment bucket for investing during middle school and investing during high school are really the same as the goals for when they're younger and for the other buckets, for the spend, save, and give buckets. And it is, you're trying to create a platform for practice and something that will breed familiarity. Because as a financial advisor for many years, Julie, what I can say, unfortunately, is that most people who come into my office and we go over their investments, they look at me with a blank stare. A lot of them, they view that visit with me as a chore and I push them to it as opposed to they have an interest or a desire to understand. And that is not what I want for my kids. That's not what I want for your kids. It's not what you want for your kids or anybody really wants for their kids. They want their kids to be informed, be good decision makers and understand what's happening with their money as opposed to, you know, what's happening to their money and based on decisions other people are are making. So we need to kind of keep in, in mind what is what is the goal. If the goals are practice and familiarity, notice what I didn't say as a goal are profits, right? Profits are secondary. They are nice and they get kids excited, but it is not the primary driver of, of the conversation. So I think that's kind of important about goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I will be honest. I haven't shown John his statement because we just put the $300 in in August and September for Corday. They weren't looking so good. I mean, they had significantly gone down. And I didn't want to discourage him from investing more um, at that time. And I talked to you about that the other day, and you steered me in the opposite direction. So I think you know, you had a really good reason for presenting it and showing him, yes, it did go down, but here's what we're going to learn. And this is what we're going to watch for us. So do you want to talk about that? Everything's on sale. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's on sale. Like, Hey, when you go and you buy stuff, you want to buy things that are on sale. You don't want to buy when it just comes out and it's a top dollar. But I do always have to add and keep in mind that I'm not making any investment recommendations. What I am recommending wholeheartedly is that everybody needs to teach their child about investing. That is the wholehearted recommendation. There's nothing but any particular company that is totally agnostic for for me, for sure. But uh, yeah, so we'll definitely talk about that. But since you're already sort of on this uh, phase two, almost maybe even into phase three, I'll just kind of take people a step back and say, phase one, what you've already been through and is really, really important is to get your kids excited about compound interest, right? So John, he got to that $500 mark pretty quickly because whatever he put into his investment bucket, you were paying 10% on that monthly. And wow, that's a phenomenal interest rate. So he got it. And even my kindergartner got it when she started when she was that young, because it's pretty amazing when you see money multiply that quickly. So that's phase right, one. but I will, but I will tell you, I was doing it wrong, and right. we corrected that course. And I'll just say that you know he wasn't learning the lesson the way I wanted him to because I thought he was supposed to put that ten percent back into the investment. So that's why it grew really fast. I was basically just feeding, mm. 
his investment bucket, but not really teaching him what that felt like to have the money in his hand from that action. So so once you corrected it, did he get super excited about the compound interest? There was some learning. I mean, definitely he understood. He understood the, the concept of money making money on, on itself. Great. But yeah, we didn't really have the opportunity to do it the right way. But with Cassidy, we do. And once we adjusted course with her, she very clearly understands that she will get more money to spend if she puts more money into invest. So we did win there. And so now she is, is at the point or was at the point a while back here where she's diverting money into invest because she sees that it makes sense to delay some of the gratification because she's getting more income out of it, right? She does see that? She sees it. Cassidy is an interesting study, though, Alec. Yeah. She still puts the minimum. She puts the minimum in every bucket except spend. It's just the way she operates. And I hope at some point she adjusts course, but she is a spender. And maybe this goes to what you say, you know, I wish I started this with my kids when they were younger, but that is what you're going for. You're trying to get them excited about compound interest. And there are some kids that will get it and gravitate and they're like, oh my goodness, I got to put almost everything into into invest. And some are going to be like casting, put it on to spend, some to give. But as long as they are excited enough where they, they understand why they're diverting some of the money into invest right. and that they're delaying gratification on that piece of money because they're not going to get it until they're 16 or 18 or 21 or whatever parameters you put around it, like this is good. That That's phase one is to get them right. there. Right. Phase two, which is also the next course, which is in production, is now saying, okay, we know we're using allowance as a foundation to teach about spending income and credit, but this course two is taking entrepreneurship through the lens of a lemonade stand and saying, okay, let's use that to teach the world of investing and go from there. And so the reason that I go through that exercise, and I know, Julie, your kids are super entrepreneurial, is because a lemonade stand or for your kids, uh, the jewelry stand that, that Cassie was doing for a long time or John's brand, he was doing uh, fly right through it. I mean, his his brand, the t-shirts and all of that is because the investment world is really a microcosm of business in a lot of senses. So I'm just going to kind of take you through. How would you like it, Julie, if I explain to you in less than seven minutes why people invest, and the entire universe of investing. How would you like that? I would like that in seven minutes. And you have to talk to me like I'm an elementary school age child because that's about where my understanding is. (laughs) I want you to know that this is the exact same thing that not only do I teach an elementary child or two, my own, but I have clients who are worth many hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's the same exact explanation that I take them through. So no parent should feel badly about any sort of elementary level education of finance because they don't teach it in schools to the, certainly they didn't when you and I were in school. And now they only teach it in some states in, you know, potentially in high school for like one semester. So nobody should feel badly about that. Like nobody knows anything about this stuff. So it's, it's all good. Okay. So let's first start with why do we invest? The simple reason of why we invest, why do we not just take our, our money and just stick it in a mattress, is because of inflation, which is all over the news lately, right? Here's why inflation rules investing and why we know that inflation is always going to be there. Things get more expensive. That's the nature of inflation. 
And we know that that's going to happen because there is a branch of the government, or not a branch, but a part of the government, that it is their mantra to make sure we have inflation. And they want it to be around 2 to 3%. So we know that everything is going to get expensive on average over time by 2 to 3%. So if we just take our cash and we stick it in a box, we're literally losing purchasing power every single year. Okay? So I'm going to explain to you, though, the magic ingredient of why that is. So, Julie, let's say you're in the market for a new TV. Okay? And I give you $1,000 and I say, TV costs $1,000. And you're like, great, I need a new TV. I say, but, Julie... If you wait a month, the TV is going to cost $1,200. What would you do? I'd buy the TV now. Exactly. Now, that's inflation. Now, if I said, hey, Julie, here's $1,000, but if you wait a month, the TV is going to cost $850. Now, what would you do? I'd wait a month. Exactly. So that's why we need inflation. (laughs) Did I answer that right? Did I do those questions? Right, yeah. And did I ask you like an elementary student? (laughs) Yes. Okay. All right, we're doing good. Okay, so A plus so far. So if you extrapolate that throughout the entire economy, right, if things got less expensive, the whole economy would fall apart, people get laid off, it would be a gigantic mess. But if things get more expensive, then the economy rolls, people are incentivized to buy. So, right? So we must, must, must have inflation, which is why the Federal Reserve, literally, they, that is, they have only two jobs, and that's one of them, is to make sure we have healthy inflation, 2 to 3%. That's why okay. we invest. That's yeah. it. Now the question is, what can we invest in? There's only four possible things that we can invest in. We as an industry, meaning Wall Street, we've done a wonderful job of making this super, super confusing, right? Because we chop these things up in a million different ways and we you know, have newspapers about it and we have, do they have newspapers anymore? Do they make those? I that, haven't seen one in a long time. Okay, so maybe they don't make those. But they have TV channels about it and they have all sorts of stuff and apps and websites. Yes, all of that stuff, okay? But there's only four things. The only four things that that you can invest in are one, is a stock. What is a stock? A stock is a piece of a company. You're buying in as a part owner of a company, okay? So that's one. The second is bonds, which few people understand, but I'm going to make it very easy. Bonds are basically people lending people money. I give you $1,000. You say, hey, I'm going to pay you interest on that. And, at, and after our agreement period, I'm going to give you your money back. It's just a loan. That's all a bond is. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Third thing is hard assets. Those are things if they fell on your foot, they would hurt. Gold, foodstuffs, lumber, real estate, right? Things you can touch and feel, that's it. That, those are hard assets. And the last thing is currency, money. So I don't care if you call that Bitcoin. I don't care if you call that the dollar or the yen or whatever. Currency, cash, right? So that's it. Those are the only four things we can invest in, okay? So if I go back to the lesson of entrepreneurship, if you let's talk about Cassidy's jewelry venture. That's a, that's a company. So that is a platform you can use to explain all four of those things. I mean, she was the owner of a company. So you can talk to her through that lens. Maybe she has a need to borrow money. Well, that would be a bond conversation. She has to buy materials. She has to buy beads. Those are hard assets. And she's using currency all the time. So those four things that we can buy, they're all represented in that particular entrepreneurial venture. That's why that that exercise is so important. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. 
if we look at it through that lens, what I would say is ideally, so there's something called a, a UTMA account. Uh, that's for the Uniform Trust for Minors Act. And it allows you to open an account, which you did already through Stockpile. And you go there, you open an account, and you are the trustee. So you get to make the decisions because John is not an adult yet. And you get to buy investments. So you've been through phase two, right? They have entrepreneurial experience. You've talked about stocks. You've talked about companies. You haven't talked about the other three things, which you can now, even though you might not call them those things, right? And you want to start buying things. Now, how do you know what to buy? You did the perfect thing, even without really knowing. It was, okay, John, what... What things do you believe in? What products do you use? What products do you like, right? I mean, those are the basic conversations. And ultimately, when you buy a stock, which is what you did, you're buying a company. So the decision that you would make, Julie, if you were going to buy a company, forget Tesla or anything, any Amazon or whatever companies you mentioned, if you were just going to go buy a company because you thought, hey, this is a great thing. I'm going to, I want to go buy a, buy this kitchen utensil company because I'm a chef, you would look at it and you would say, okay, well, how, what have you done in sales? Mm, okay, that's good. And the next question you, you would probably ask is, okay, well, what about sales going forward? What about your projected sales? Like, how are you going to do next year? Those are the most important questions. I really don't care what you did. I really won't care what you're going to do. When you look for things to buy with your kids, that's, those are the questions. That's it. You're just looking for practice opportunities, right? Going back to the goals. Practice and familiarity. So it's, why do you like Tesla? Do you think they're going to do well going forward? Oh, that seems logical. Okay, then this is a good experiment for them. Right. And like with John, he wants to make sure also that it's a good company for the earth because he's very environmental. Right. And so when he, I mean, I think that was part of Tesla's. He sees them all over the road. There's more and more every day. He knows that it's a forward moving company, but he also believes that it is doing something positive. And so talking about that has been really good for, for us too is yes, there's the money aspect, but you also want to feel connected and proud of the companies that you're supporting. Wonderful. And that's incredible because you're, exactly, you want to do what's important to him and what does he feel is going to be successful going forward. Okay, so now you're, so you've done that. You've completed phase two. The account is there. You've bought that. You've had somewhat of those conversations. So now you are at phase three, right? So what what are you doing about tracking them, right? That's That's where we are now. That's exactly where we are. And having to face up to, showing him the reality of where his stocks are and that he has lost money. And and because of my limited knowledge about stocks, it's hard for me to make this a positive conversation. So that's where you can really help me turn this into a good learning, forward-moving conversation. Okay, great. The tracking. Okay, let's we'll start there. So your core day, right? The first Sunday of every month, right? You're sitting down with your kids and you're saying, okay, it's allowance day, right? Now we want to expand that. We want to say, let's print out your statement. Let's look at it together. Let's see how you're doing, right? And the things that you want to be able to derive from that statement, and I would definitely not just sit down with him first and show it to him before you've had a chance to look at it. What, you're, what you want to be able to show him are a few things. You want to show him, this is what you paid. This is what it's worth today. So this is how much in total you're up or down. And then you also want to show what was the change from the previous month. If you wind up only doing that every quarter, then you want to say the change from from the previous quarter. But ideally, you're doing this every month because, again, the goal is the good habits that you're trying to teach. 
Okay. And I would say even looking at it every day on the app, like those actually are not great habits. Really, you want to take a little bit further step back. And the conversation you want to have is pretty simple, which is, do we believe in this company going forward? Yes or no? Why? Have that conversation. If for some reason he's lost faith in that company, then, okay, well, what companies do we think that you do have faith in? Because if the price of Tesla or the price of Amazon or the price of Facebook or NVIDIA or any of these companies, if it's down, but you're a believer in what they're doing going forward, doing going forward then I would think, how wonderful. I'm, I have a sale opportunity. Everything is on sale for me. I can buy now. The goal is to buy low, sell high. Right? If that's the goal, this is a wonderful opportunity. If the money was the money that he was going to use to spend on his next bike that he needed to buy in six months, that's a different story. But he has many, many years that he believes in this company and he's buying things on sale. By the same token, if he felt like, you know, oof, I hear everybody is selling their Pelotons. They don't like that anymore. And I know it's on, you know, people think it's on sale, but from what I can see, people hate this now. Or, you know, nobody likes the Adidas brand. My kids, my, my friends all think it's not cool anymore. And I think they're going to keep thinking that. Then these are things he doesn't believe in. So mm-hmm. those are the conversations to have is, does he believe in it? You can help that by setting up some sort of a Google alert or some sort of a reminder every so often, or just even have your antenna up, you know, is there news out there about a company that he owns so that you can say, hey, here's something I heard about Tesla. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting good, interesting bad, just, you know, information for him. Mm-hmm. A good example of that was I heard this was going back a couple of years ago. It was that Tesla made their, I don't know, millionth car or something like that. And Grace, my oldest, she had Tesla and I came home and I told her that and I Googled, I just looked up, how many cars does Toyota make? They made 11 million a year. And she was like, wow, you know, that price seems high for, you know, for a company that only makes 1 million cars. And I was like, yeah. She's like, that doesn't make sense. I've made a lot of money. I think I'll sell it. And I was like, okay. Wow. You know, I had no opinion. It was just like, you know, oh, okay. Like if that's what you think. And I just let her roll with it. And it was fascinating to to kind of keep one eye on Tesla all of this time to say, oh, that's interesting. Why do we think it has continued to go up? Or why do we think it's down now? So if the goal is not to make money, if the goal is to teach and to learn and to, to be familiar with it, I've achieved that even if she hasn't made a ton of money and, and you will too. Yeah. So I guess another question that comes up too, and we've talked about this ages ago, Um, there's a lot of apps out there, you know, and that's how a lot of kids are learning about investing and they kind of gamify that investment process. (laughs) I know. And so I think the goal there is to make as much money as you possibly can through these game apps. And so what do you think our process or your process of sense of responsibility, investing and teaching that way compares to, you know, giving a kid an app and say, here, learn investing here. Uh, There are a great many things that I don't like about the apps and the gamification, for sure. Um, The part that I do like is that it's getting the idea of investing into more people's hands. But it is not something that I'm doing with my kids. The way to do it in a way that's more long-term, more sustainable, you know, and arguably better is to slow things down. There's so much research on the ills of 
investment timing, market timing, saying, oh, well, I think things are low, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start buying. And, oh, I think things are high, so I'm going to start selling, like, as opposed to being a long-term, stay-the-course, sort of steady-eddy investor. You wind up, generally speaking, the research shows, with more money in your pocket if you're more steady-eddy than you're trying to time the market, go, go in and out. So why would I want to use a tool... Or why would I want to teach my kid a faster way when the slow way is the way to win the race? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, so- that all that all does make sense. Uh, yeah, because I think also, if I remember correctly, what you had said was through these games, it's all about just getting more money quicker, but right. they're not learning. They're not learning to watch. They're not learning to really do the research. They're not learning the long-term you know, investment um, aspect. Um, and it just, it almost kind of like dumbs it down too much maybe where it's the focus, the focus is wrong. It's about winning. It's about earning quick. And it takes away the whole learning aspect that we're really going for. And I don't know if I'm articulating this right, but it's almost like we're, we're taking away the learning opportunity by plugging it in, in this, in this fast gamification way. Yeah. I mean, look, it's almost like me saying, you know, I made this great app that's going to really be all about relationship building. It's I'm going to call it Facebook, and it's like this super, super easy to use. You just tap, and you get to see all these updates. And yeah, there's some good things about Facebook, but I'm not going to say it's improved my relationship with anybody. No, it probably makes it so that you feel like you don't have to call them or reach out because you already know what's going on with them, and it it almost does the opposite effect. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some good things about it, but no, it is definitely it has caused a lot of bad things at, at the end of the day, also, and what, that's the same for whether it's you know, Instagram or TikTok or whatever the case. And and my goodness, if if investing is a long term game, why is it that you would want to use a tool that rewards you and gives you dopamine hits for quick actions? Right, right, right. Totally. Um, yeah. So we're not we're not doing any apps, but I just wanted um, to review yeah. your your take on the apps. Another question I have for this investment process: um, just a snapshot of where we are. You know, John has put three hundred dollars of his invest into the stocks, and then he he might have around two fifty left in cash. So I have been, you know, he's still been putting the money into the cash account or the box. And then Cassidy hasn't really put any into investment. She just still has the cash. Like what would you suggest right now that we that we go ahead and, and move forward with the investments with John? Really kind of go all in or do you think it's weird that we're kind of half in, half out right now and watching and learning it I don't really know what to do right now. So what I did with my kids was once they hit $500, we opened the investment account and they were able to pick their own securities. Ideally, you would really want one of each of the four kinds of investments because like you said, you're learning with your kids, wonderful way for you to learn. So what can you buy? So you could buy a stock, easy. You can buy a CD is a type of bond. That's, I think, the type of bond that most people are familiar with. You just CD is a bond issued by a bank. You're lending the bank money, and they're paying you interest. That's a CD. There are a number of um, ways to buy gold and silver and you know metals. There's a, just a ton of different what we call uh, linked to commodities, so linked to hard assets. 
ETFs, exchange traded funds. I know now we're getting a little technical, but really you can just Google, how do I invest in gold? How do I invest in silver? I mean, you just say, John, hey, I want to invest in something that's a, a hard asset. Like what are things that we think are going to do better going forward? Well, what about gas? There's a shortage of lumber. You know, there's all sorts of things to talk about. Pick one thing. That's really ideal. You don't need to invest in currency because he already knows what cash is. So mm-hmm. you already have that. So I wanted to make sure that my kids picked one in each category and they got to select with the $500. So they did that. Now we still accumulate money in the investment bucket in the house, but when they get to somewhere around $100, we say, great, time to put that into the investment account. And I actually have them fill out the deposit ticket and then I, so that they understand that that's part of the exercise. Not that many people do that anymore, but if they're giving me cash, Hey, do the deposit ticket. We deposit that. And then next month's statement, it shows, hey, there was a deposit. And they could see that money going in. It shows as cash. And then during that core day, that's when we sit down and we say, okay, well, what should we invest this in? Do we want to buy more of what we have? Is there something else? I would limit it to no more than six or seven holdings in the account. Otherwise, the meeting gets too long and you know it's yeah. just too many things to, to track. Um, but that's what I would do. And I stopped giving them interest that was my question yeah yeah so i stopped giving them interest on money that was actually in the investment bucket because they already had a good experience and they could see how the money that was invested was growing you don't have that benefit yet because things are down so what i would likely do is i would keep paying keep the incentive you want him to still be motivated to add money into the investment bucket but once he sees that the investments are outpacing what you're doing, then you can say, okay, you know what, we're stopping that. That is your investment bucket is what's there, you know, at the brokerage firm, at Stockpile. That's when you mm-hmm. can stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all really good, uh, really good info. I was going to ask, what do you do with that $100 as it's growing in that bucket? Are you still paying or, or not? But your girls have seen how it works right. in real life. So right. So they get it. Your kids will too, because history has shown that that's what will happen. There's no guarantees, of course, in anything investment related, but history is on our side. We know that history doesn't repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. Yep. It is an interesting time right now for sure to be (laughs) watching all this stuff and trying to make sense of it. So like I said, we're learning together. We are hashtag learning. Yep. All right. So everybody, like I said, the investment module, if you will, is going to be in the next course that's going to roll out in 2023, hopefully earlier in 2023 rather than later in 2023. But we are actively working on it. And it's part of the courses that we used to deliver live in Miami before the pandemic. And in the meantime, though, there's whether it's courses, challenges, blog, podcasts, links to all the different resources that we offer. Check out sensorresponsibility.com slash resources. And of course, hit the little subscribe button, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on your Apple device or whatever it is. So in the meantime, teach sensibly. And Julie, I always like doing this with you. Yep. Thanks so much. Bye, guys.